Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by John Cross of the Daily Mirror and by David Priest, goalkeeping coach and columnist. It used to be billed as the greatest day of the football year. FA Cup third round day has lost a bit of its gloss, but it's still vital as an antidote to cynicism and elitism. It still matters to fans, if not to Premier League managers. Jurgen Klopp, for instance, could probably do without a Merseyside derby. How do you expect him to tackle it, John? Well, I do think that if it hadn't been a Merseyside derby, he would have rested lots and lots of players. And I think you would have seen a sort of a Carabao Cup team, shall I say. I just think there will be a temptation and certainly be a pressure, I think, a little bit on, on Jurgen Klopp to go a little bit strong because of local rivalries. I, I, I think I was at Wolves last season to see him, see him go out at Wolves and it didn't feel like it was it was particularly damaging. I remember at that time writing, well, actually, if they, they, they finish the season, you know, without another trophy, will they look back upon that that, that, that game with regret? Well, they end up with, with, with the Champions League. And that's the issue, isn't it? I think that basically a lot of the managers will say, well, if we've got bigger things to, to put at stake, whether that's sort of survival in the Premier League, whether that's sort of bigger trophies, that's where it stands. But I think what makes this a special game is that I don't know that you can do that because these rivalries it's so intense that derby I mean Liverpool frankly put out arguably a lot of their B team didn't they against Everton at Christmas and still you know absolutely smashed them really in Marco Silva's last game that is the kind of the pressure and the expectation that Liverpool fans will want and they certainly won't want to lose to, to Everton, repeat, isn't it, of what it was a couple of years ago? I was at that game, the FA Cup game on on the Friday night, and it was a special atmosphere, and and the fans really wanted it. So I do still think it will be a game with lots of spice. Mm. Do you understand why a lot of Premier League clubs don't actually see this as a day off, but they they basically plan accordingly? Yeah, I mean, the priority is obviously the Premier League, you know, the, the, the riches that that brings staying in the division, it takes priority over everything. But also I think that the FA Cup, it's been downgraded even further now because where you'd say before, it still put teams still put strong sides out in the FA Cup and then put weakened sides out in the League Cup. Now you're seeing sort of youth teams out in the, in the League Cup and then sort of reserve teams in the FA Cup. But it is a good opportunity to give squad players and out and, and get them fit and give them 90 minutes so you know you might need them later on in the season I think that and especially for goalkeepers it's a big attraction for bringing sort of high profile second choice goalkeepers at the club to be able to guarantee them games throughout the season certainly in the bigger clubs it means you know if, if they're given League Cup and FA Cup games in there there's a chance to get a, a dozen games in there for them for, for the year 
Yeah. Looks like Liverpool will take advantage of the availability of Minamino, mm. uh, the Japanese that recruited from Red Bull. What sort of player is he, John? And I know you've been talking to Liverpool officials about him. Yeah, exciting winger. There's no doubt about it. Really caught Liverpool's eye in the two Champions League games. And it was interesting to hear Andy Robertson talking about him, really, just what a difficult opponent he, he was. He's really very, very quick. He's got excellent control. I, I look at him and I immediately think, in an age where I think we judge wingers not on kind of, you know, hugging the byline, on absolutely flying down the wing and then basically, you know, providing the crosses. It's so much more of a technical game these days in terms of passing uh, statistics, assists. Then I think you you put him into the, what shall I say, the sort of the Sancho mould rather than the sort of the, the, the Rashford, you know, when Rashford plays wider for, for United. He's much more of a technical player on, on, on those lines. I think he'll be very, very good in English football. Yet again, it would seem to me that Liverpool have been very creative with their recruitment. You know, you have to give an awful lot of credit to the rebuilding and restructure of this football club and the squad to, to, to Michael Edwards, mm. who shies away from publicity, but he certainly doesn't shy away from basically knowing the ins and outs of every contract, of every doable deal. And what's strikes you is that to know that that buyout clause of 7.25 million to then activate that but then also Liverpool to stay on extremely good terms there's no sense of kind of you know kind of being leaving them sort of feeling cheated with the fee they, 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 the way Liverpool have managed to construct this deal get this deal done I think shows what they're about a very sort of classy attitude towards it are Salzburg the new Southampton? <laughs> well, yeah, they probably they probably could be at this rate because they do they are producing players and you know the Red Bull franchise per se that is almost their, their, their kind of philosophy throughout throughout the clubs. To it's, a, it's a brilliant recruitment model, isn't it, David? And development model. Yeah, it certainly is, and I think it's it's clever of Liverpool just simply because it's it's basically an, an, an off the peg sort of uh, recruitment. You know, they 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 see a team or see some sides that you know they play in a similar way that that they do, and then they go and pick their best players. And I think that's as strong as Liverpool are, they still have chinks in their armour. You know, you see that, that Trent Alexander-Arnold sometimes get caught defensively. They probably lack a bit of creativity in the middle of the park. As strong as they are. But the real strength is up front, and if they can if give those three a little bit more of a rest and, and keep them fresher for, for the closing part of the season, then it'll, it'll benefit them greatly, and I think he'll do that if he can, if he can give them some time between now and the end of the season. And, and, and I know we, we keep saying that clubs don't buy in, or big clubs don't buy in, in, in January, but it's a great way of bedding people in for the next season. So you just, you know, the way that Naby Keita was as well, you give them six months to acclimatise and then that's when they can hit the ground run. Do you expect Jaden Sancho to come to England in January? I, I would be surprised in January, but I, I do think it will happen um, Chelsea. In, in 2020. Well, it's a really interesting one, this, because... Uh, Chelsea have now of, of, of good options, really. I mean, William, I think, is has been playing tremendous this season, and yet the doubts remain still over the contract. Are they sort of thinking to the sort of the future on that? Does you know is William reaching a stage of his career where where Chelsea are thinking, well, we'll we'll, we'll let this one run down and and, and see where we go? But they've also got Hudson Odoi, obviously, and Pulisic, and Sancho. That then it would be. It would it would fit their philosophy, young, young English. But 
I, I also talk to people and, and they tell me that Man United's interest is incredibly strong and has never gone away. Dortmund are, I think, a very, very clever club in the way that they do, do business. I mean, Chelsea obviously have an established relationship there from Pulisic when arguably they sort of, you know, they, they were chasing, they were on that case for a long time, were able to do a deal, fearing that they might get a transfer ban in January with the, the understanding then that he would be joining in the summer. And you wonder whether I would suggest then that basically something might happen like that with Sancho similarly this time. But there'll be a huge clamour, I think, for Sancho, even though I do think performances have dropped. He, don't get me wrong, he's clearly capable of still big games, and, mm. you know, big passes, big moments. But I do think that perhaps he's still so young, you've got to give him a bit of, you know, understanding on this. Because if he is thinking about his future, maybe that has affected his mentality in some way. And that basically, I just think off the pitch, suggests to me that basically he, his mind perhaps is elsewhere. And I do think he'll be, by the end of 2020, definitely back in the Premier League. And I think if I was a betting man, I might even go Old Trafford rather than Chelsea. Mm. Having mentioned Chelsea, they've got Nottingham Forest at home in the third round. Good side in in a championship context, Forest. Are they capable of providing one of the shocks? I mean, I think they were there for a, a couple of seasons back, and I, I think it was a did the, the draw that they beat them. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Uh, yeah, and and, and and no, they they lost, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's arguably a stronger side that they've got now, um, Forest. And you think that they've, they've signed Cavallo for £13 million from Benfica and he can only get on the bench. And they've got these high-profile players, Costal Pantilamon, who can't get in the squad. And it, it, it's, it looks like a club that were, you know, preparing to, to, uh, to have an assault on the, on the promotion places. Whether they can do that this season, I think playoff places probably is uh, the best hope for them. But... Um, I think uh, Sabri Lamucci's has surprised me a little bit, you know. I think he's, he hasn't got a great track, he's obviously got a great track record as a, as a player. He's played for a lot of big clubs, Inter and Marseille, and, and had success there, 12 caps for France. But as a manager, he's not really uh, got that tra same track record. So it was, it was a little bit of a unknown quantity, but he's, I think he's done a good job there so far. Mm. If we're looking at shocks, it always tends to pay you to actually look at the teams who are struggling at the bottom end of the Premier League and thinking, well, let's just get out of the FA Cup and, and deal with it. What about Watford? No. Um, it seems that Nigel Pearson has gone in and had a bit of an initial impact. Are they vulnerable at home to Tranmere? I, I would suggest not all things being equal. It just depends, I think, on the approach. I do, I do think the antidote sometimes is that if you completely throw it in, as I think actually perhaps Bournemouth have been guilty of, in recent seasons, then I do think sometimes you can actually really take your eye off the ball a little bit and you see your form slip away. I would think that Nigel Pearson would, would make drastic changes to, to it because he has to prioritise survival. And I think you can immediately see that Nigel Pearson has gone in there with a sort of a strength of character and said, right, OK. But let's be honest here, Watford reached the, the FA Cup final last season and, and they did rest and rotate through the rounds. And it was only when they got to the latter stages that they thought, we could be onto something here. I just think that, and it, it, let's be honest also, that it didn't do Javi Gracia any favours <laughs> in the end. But look, I, I do think the worry is that, that the in the games that you sort of, you know, sort of maybe target 
sort of upsets, I think, of Gillingham and West Ham, but it's, it's more likely to be away from home. But if you completely rest and rotate, it gives, I think, the lower division teams the, the message as much as anything that because there will always be underdogs that you're not taking it seriously. It's more that the, the message, I think, that they seize upon. It's two sides to the coin. You know, you, you want people to take the competition seriously and feel strong sides. But for me, the, the gloss has gone off. If it's gone off the FA Cup, the real FA Cup is in the third, fourth and fifth rounds when we can get surprises. And I think if it, if it gives the smaller clubs a chance to, to make these big upsets, then I'm all for it. Do you agree with John that West Ham are really vulnerable at Gillingham? Because they're a quixotic team, aren't you? Don't even, you never know what you're going to turn up. Yeah, and again, it just it depends on the approach, whether they're going, how many changes are going to be made. And Gillingham already beaten uh, my club, Sunderland, so they've already knocked one big club out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, and that's the, the beauty of it. That's what we want to see, you know. Like I said, it's the, the final is it. No matter what we say, the final isn't what it used to be. You know, we used to watch John Bailey, you know, eating his breakfast before the 1986 uh, or 1984 Cup yeah. final. You know, and it was a thing that was you watch from nine o'clock until till after the game. You know, it was a, it was a much bigger event in the past. Uh, like I said before, for me, it's it's the smaller clubs beating the the big boys. Yeah, smaller clubs who probably have got a history of punching above their weight. Rochdale, mm. they're at home to Newcastle. Mm. What do you think about the job that Steve Bruce is doing at Newcastle? Oh, absolutely phenomenal! And you know, I went to Rochdale last season, and and and, and you know they'll get a they're good a good atmosphere there. Don't worry about that. But I also <coughs> think that that Newcastle. It's a pivotal game, really, for Newcastle in that I think in recent seasons, even Rafa Benitez, who, you know, who's, <clears throat> who's revered as a footballing god up there, whatever reason, I think probably pressure and excuses from above, disregarded the cup competitions. Well, Newcastle want nothing more than a cup run, frankly. And I do think that, therefore, I think Steve Bruce will know that it's a competition that fans want to take seriously. His results and, 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 and performances have far exceeded even the best expectations, I think. He's doing a fantastic job. He's, I think, always coveted this job. I think it feels like home for him. I think he can almost say that well, at the end of this road, he can say, well, that's my career done. I've ticked every box, basically. Mm. And he, he, I think he's thrived from the first month onwards from saying, I've shown you basically. People who doubted me, I've shown you. And basically, some of those results are far better than they, I think they achieved from than Rafa Benitez. And still you have Newcastle fans going on about, you know, oh, it would have been better under Rafa. Well, I mean, you, you know, you might lack the philosophy or the science or or the kind of, you know, gravitas that Benitez brought. But with Steve Bruce, I think he's brought something completely different and it's been a breath of fresh air. And you do still feel... That the, the fans are not completely on board with it, but they're getting there. They're getting there, and so they should. But that, I do think that this cup run is absolutely massive for Steve Bruce, and I think the, the refreshing thing is that he will understand that, he will get that, and he will know just what a cup run means for Newcastle. Yeah, you're an unashamed Mackham, Dave. But let's look at the Geordies. You know the Geordies pretty well. Grew up amongst them. How much would a trophy mean to that? Supporter base. I mean, I mean to to any of those clubs in the northeast, and I think that 
if I was a manager of say of, of Newcastle, then that I would make it a real priority. I wouldn't be taking the, the cup lightly at all because it's you, you win a cup at Sunderland or Newcastle, it, whether you know, especially if it's the FA Cup, you know, immediate legendary status. And I think that you're right, Steve Bruce is at there to work against the tide a little bit initially, but you know, the results speak for themselves. And a few weeks ago, when uh, Almiron scored his first goal, you know, you see the the, the stadium, how it's it lit. A brilliant up. picture of him with a young fan. Yeah, it was fantastic. It, yeah. it, and. It, and that's what I mean. That's what we want to get back at Sunderland. You know, you miss you, you miss those full stadiums and the reaction like that. And yeah, and I think Steve, Bruce, you can't take anything away from what Steve Bruce has done. Yeah, if you're looking at up and coming managers, the Cowley brothers at, mm. at Huddersfield, you know, I've done some work with them, and there's just an earthiness about them and a relentlessness about them, which I think will help them to revitalise Huddersfield. They're uh, up against Southampton in the cup. That, to me, has got an upset written all over it. Yeah, it has, really, because I do think that Southampton will have to prioritise Premier League survival. I think where I think is important for, if you look at it from the opposing point of view, and, and you know, for example, Huddersfield and the Cowley brothers, is that basically it can give you a bit, it can give you an energy, and also it kind of almost puts you back on the map, basically, and it will suddenly give Huddersfield, you know, yeah, what a what a bizarre sort of kind of eighteen months it has been for them really, a new direction, a, a new sort of kind of wave of hope, and I do think that 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 will be important for the, for the Cowley brothers. I think Danny Cowley is as a sort of a, a developmental manager on on the kind of the coaching that he brings. I was talking to a player, an Oxford player, Rob Dickey, you know, mm. ahead of the Man City game, and sort of been through the, sort of the lower leagues, and I sort of said, "Oh, he's your big influence." He's really singled out Danny Cowley. As a massive influence on him in the way that he coached him, the way that he spoke to him, the way that he got the, the, the best out of him, almost basically gave him belief that actually I can be a footballer here. And it was a inter really interesting insight above and beyond on someone that he work worked with just fleetingly, but took something from him. And I, I just think that the Cowleys, you know, you, you've done pieces with them. I've, I've done, a, you know, piece with them last season. They're, they're really inspirational and strong. And I think they're a good creative appointment it might not work obviously for, for Huddersfield in terms of promotion this season but I just think in the longer term a cup run can actually give you that confidence and a belief that can kind of take you to a next level for the rest of the season and perhaps put them on a good path for next yeah is that a similar thing that maybe Middlesbrough would be looking to get out of the cup you know they've got Spurs at home which is you know will be a high profile tie they're just above the promo uh, the relegation zone at the moment you've got a, a rookie manager really where do you see Middlesbrough going, David? It's a little bit of a strange one at the moment. I think, you know, you, you've got a, they're in a difficult position. They've got a, a manager with very little experience who's an ex-Spurs player, obviously. Jonathan Woodgate. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan Woodgate. And I think that they're, they're a team that's, or a club that are looking to go in a certain direction. You know, Steve Gibson's, he's, he's put his hand in his pocket over the years and he's, he's lashed out money everywhere to, to try and ensure that they they become an established Premier League side. And lately it hasn't, that hasn't worked. So I think it, it's right that they're probably looking at a different direction, trying to be a bit more creative in the transfer market rather than just letting the pounds talk. And I think that... Um, the real hope, I think, for Steve Gibson is that Jonathan Woodgate can turn it round and that he can be the sort of the driving force behind the, this, this new Middlesbrough. 
There's a necessity that they stay in the division. And, and at the moment, they're just hovering above that. They're just keeping their head above water. And I think that they need to just get through this season and survive. And then they can start the recruitment, the real recruitment, like I said, the real creative recruitment. And then they can then try and build on that. It's a good opportunity for them just to get away from the, the pressures that they've been feeling in the league. And yeah, again, depending on what side that Spurs put out, you know, it could be a good opportunity for an upset. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how the, the draw always throws up little personal stories. Now, mm. Alex Neal, Mm-hmm. Sacked by Norwich, doing really well at Preston. Hey, presto, <laughs> they get Norwich in the FA Cup. He is the sort of manager who's proving himself under the radar, isn't he? He is, yeah. I mean, he, he has been, though, don't don't forget now, I think he, he's been the target of quite a few clubs, really, since, since it, you know, working wonders, frankly, at, at, at Preston. He's clearly got something special. And then Preston have been suffering recently with injuries, haven't they? So, I, I yeah... It's a remarkable story, that one. And I, I, I do actually, on a wider point with the, with the FA Cup, I think third and fourth rounds are one of the, my favourite weekends of the year as a journalist because you get to go and do different stories. Mm. But then also, you know, it, it's, the, it's, the, it's the wacky ones. It's the, it's the sort of kind of going and seeing sort of the, 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 the lower-end players or going and seeing different stories and... You know, I just think it allows you to go outside the Premier League bubble, if, if, if you like, really, and sort of doing pieces. There's a couple of pieces last season on Millwall. And Millwall always, I think, sort of kind of, you know, deserve a bit more credit than sometimes they get. And, you know, they're always the cut run specialists. And Alex Neal is sort of kind of a case in point. And I just think that it, it will bring, I think, to the wider audience really an appreciation of the job that he's done because he had a fabulous, I think it's easy to forget, fabulous run at Norwich, you know, and proved himself to be a no-nonsense manager. He's clearly incredibly intense, incredibly sort of sharp and sort of determined and and, and drives those players. You can see it when, when you sort of kind of hear and see and interviewed. And it's no doubt in my mind that he, he's, he's got something a little bit extra, which will one day, I think, get back into Premier League. But mm-hmm. all we talk about is FA Cup, whether it's lost his gloss or whatever, we talked about the Cowleys before, and, and it could be the same for any other manager in this, uh, in this round. They built their success on an FA Cup run mm. three years ago. You know, being a, a National League side, getting to the quarterfinals against Arsenal, beating Burnley and Ipswich on the way. It can be a real good platform for, for young managers to, to show what they're capable of. And yeah, same with Rochdale again with, with Brian Barry Murphy. Yeah. What about old, old, older managers? Bielsa at Leeds. There's going to be a lot of focus on the Arsenal-Leeds tie on the Monday. Is he just about to waken the proverbial sleeping giant? I mean, I think he's already done that. If, if you ask any any Leeds fan, they, they've got a real zest for the club back, and it's almost like a, a worship. You know, he's, a, he's an idol to everyone. It's great how you see all the uh, on social media. See the hundreds and hundreds of uh, photographs of him posing with young fans and. He's really doing his shopping in Tesco. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's really he's, embraced. Yeah. He's, he's got an office, I think, in Costa Coffee, isn't he? Yeah, like, exactly. Costa yeah. Coffee is brilliant. See him hold up every there. Other supermarkets and coffee shops. <laughs> oh, sorry, <available>. sorry. <laughs> yeah, but he is. You know, he's embraced them as much as uh, they have embraced him. And I think that you're right. It's a really interesting one as well with Mikel Arteta. Uh, you know, newly installed at, at Arsenal. It's a good test for him and. 
yeah, for anybody who doesn't watch Championship football and hasn't seen the the, the wonders he's doing at, at Leeds, it'll be a great uh, another great advert for him as well. Yeah. Uh, Niketia, I mean, there's, there's mm. obviously at, yeah, at, course, at, yeah. um, at Leeds, and there's different rules, isn't there, on loan? So it's like you know, you, you, it'll be interesting to see. Basically, obviously, Premier League can't play. From, from you know, but you can in the FA Cup, I think, mm. you know. So it'll be really he deserves more of a chance. Actually, he really has, and I must say, it, it's an interesting one with with um, Bielsa because if you look at how few games Jack Clark, for example, has played at least this He's season, disappeared off the been, planet, been, hasn't he? been sold, loaned back, and and Bielsa's obviously thought, well, you're either with me or you're not, and taken a really negative view on a player that was was influential mm. for, for Leeds last season. Does Nketiah do enough? As a as sort of a, as an all-round player, no one's disputing that he can be prolific as a goal scorer. But he's barely had any chances. Been very frustrating, I, I would think, for for him this year. But Bielsa, for me, it's all about the second half of the season. I'm desperate for Leeds and Bielsa to get into the Premier League because I think that would be brilliant, fun, you know, great story. But you speak to anyone around around that, and they look at it and they'll think they've run out of steam at the second half of the season as they did indeed last season. So I would suggest that the the, the FA Cup won't be top of his priorities, which I think is a shame for a club like that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he, uh, how he mm. approaches it and mm. what team he puts out, yeah. Yeah. A couple of non-league clubs in the third round draw. Hartlepool. Yeah. Um, what's the mood in the in the northeast around them at the moment? And it's a very it's a notoriously difficult league to get out of, isn't it? The National League. Yeah. I, I think that's, you know, Especially when you you come down out of the league, most teams are in a, understandably in a little bit of turmoil, and it, and it does take time to adjust to the level and to the standard of football. A lot of sides can be surprised by the the standard simply because they they think they're just going to turn up and uh, because the size of club the, the the team they've got they can just roll up and just beat teams. Uh, just by turn up, but it's it's totally different. That you know, you you dealing with different surroundings, different standard of stadiums, different standards of pitch, and you've got to get your head around that first, and and realise that's where you are, and you've got to deal with that and accept it. And I think, with, but with Hartlepool, they've had so much, so many problems behind the scenes financially as well. Those keep dragging on, and yeah, it's it's really difficult for them to to get back into the division. I mean, the the the, the regions lost Darlington from the from league football as well in the last decade. So it's and with Sunderland's being in in League One, it's yeah, it, it it isn't a great time at all. But I think that's it's it's a chance for the for the region to shine again. Mm. The National League also has clubs who are up, obviously upwardly mobile, like Fylde. They've got a they've got a bad draw for them in many ways. They're at Sheffield United. Who probably would say, "Well, thanks for coming, boys," and, and and won't let them off the hook. You've got Jim Bentley there, who you know, worked absolute miracles, you know, at Morecambe over a number of years. Mm. What does that say when a manager goes out of the football league into the national league as career advancement? Well. I do think that the National League and particularly sort of National League clubs sometimes can can surprise you in terms of in terms of the budget and and basically also the philosophy and basically their, their, their direction. They've been able to sort of say to them, "You've got a better prospect, a better long term vision here." To you know, I think there's been decent recent examples of that that basically clubs have come through and been able to sort of kind of build and then establish themselves in in either league league 2 or league 1 sort of thing you know mm. you know moving moving forward and i think that probably says an awful lot about the the, the club and the vision 
I mean, I must say, I do think that the contracts are king at, at, at that level in terms of players. And you will find often that the, the, the up and coming, the ambitious and strong National League clubs are able to offer a great, as indeed Fylde are, a basic great, greater deal of stability that, than some of the struggling clubs in, 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 in League Two particularly. I mean, we've seen great examples of that with, with Berry, and I'm also thinking of Macclesfield recently, mm. where a lot of those players will not know when their next paycheck is coming. If you have a strong, stable National League club, you know exactly where you're going as a, as a player. I do think that there's sort of kind of that they're assured there is not seen as a gamble, it's not seen as a risk. They have a proper business model that is able then to take them into into the league. And football is a worrying time, I think, financially, because, it, you know, EFL clubs, there's dozens of them, dozens. I mean, even at championship level, where, where they're worried about sort of financial fair play because they're stuck in between a rock and a hard place about whether basically you, you gamble on, on being promoted and then overspending your budget and then you're subject to restrictions further down the line, you know, right through through to League Two, where basically you can get caught in this terrible place where you do overspend, as indeed, you know, sort of bury do, and then all of a sudden you're out of business. So National League, it's all about the kind of the structure and sort of having good owners, having a clear direction, and they've certainly got that there. You're a League Two player, Dave. If you were today, would you go into the National League? Yes, certainly, and I, I and see from uh, Jim, Pony's, uh, Jim Bentley's point of view, sorry, the, you know, I think he probably spent about 10 years at, uh, yeah. at Morecambe. He was a player there. He, you know, he probably thought that and accepted that he wasn't going to be able to take the club any further than what he had. Done a great job keeping him in the league. When he look, looks back, he probably maybe thinks he, he probably should have took this chance earlier. And I think that um, in somewhere like Fylde, you're right, it's, it's, it's got a great infrastructure in the club. And more importantly for him, you've got the financial cloud to be able to go into League Two and bring players out of League Two that are going to improve your side. And I think that, yeah, it, it, if it's a toss-up between trying to keep a league in, club in League Two or trying to get promotion and, and win the championship, then it's an easy decision to make. OK. Easy decision to make. Who's your winner in the FA Cup this year? I, I, it's a really difficult one because I do think that there's a few managers out there with a, with a, with a point to prove and, 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 and who knows. And I, I think the one that, that, that we will always, I think, that, that say that they need a trophy and is a serial winner is Tottenham and Jose Mourinho. And I wouldn't put it past them, basically, to to basically, Mourinho has been brought in there to bring in some silverware and basically provide a trophy that the Maurizio Pochettino couldn't quite provide. And I just think that basically with, with a little bit of luck of the draw. Also, it's well worth reminding, I'm a big fan of the FA Cup. Absolutely love it. I'm very passionate about the FA Cup. It's also worth, well worth remembering that we, we talk about resting teams and, and, and basically and players and the bigger, bigger guns not taking it seriously. Recent winners have been big teams. There's been glamorous finals. Man City completed the treble last season. The big clubs do take it seriously. The big clubs do want to win it. And I do still think we should never lose sight of that fact. I love the FA Cup and I'm very, you know, very, very strong on that sort of thing. And I do think that's why Mourinho, someone like Mourinho, views it as strongly. And I think that's why he could end up leading Spurs to it. Eh? Well, Sunderland are out, obviously, so I'll, I'll pick <laughs> them. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably go for a big club as well. I think either Chelsea or Manchester United. I think, uh, you know, that 
That um, of course the, the priority is to to try and get Champions League football, especially uh, the position Chelsea are now. But yeah, I think one of those sides. Well, I'll go with John. It'll be won this year by Tottenham, and you know who. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.